Hello, welcome to Clogcast. As I can't currently run my alternative comedy night called Clog Comedy, and as we all have to be indoors, I have started a mini podcast series called Clogcast. The plan is to have a section of myself geeking out about a niche comedy topic called Niche to Know You to Know You Niche, followed by an interview with a comedian who is either an alternative weirder act or someone who you should be inspired by, who is unique and whom the audience should watch. Clock essentially means comedian's laughter log. It aimed to be a welcoming space open to acts to practice the highest levels of comedy. I hope that it acted as a network for acts to join the forces of stand-up, musical, sketch and character comedy, as well as a safe space for performers to explore many topics and styles of comedy craziness. I hope you enjoy this week's session. Today's niche to meet you, to meet you niche brief topic is Human Remains. Essentially, Human Remains was a character-centric comedy series in 2000 with Julia Davis of 99 and Rob Brydon, pre-Gavin and Stacey. There were six episodes and each one focused on a different couple portrayed by them. This included a posh one, a working class one, a musical one, some middle-aged swingers, a super religious one and finally a somewhat depressing couple who live in Brighton. What I think made it unique was the show format. It followed the early mid-2000s trend of mockumentary, fly-on-the-wall comedy, but it came before the UK office. The episodes weren't sitcom in nature, because two developer, Julian Robert, actually improvised the characters and situations first, and then wrote the scripts. Therefore, it felt more like a sketch show. I understand that Human Remains isn't 100% niche, but it might be unknown to newer acts. I decided to ask awesome character comedian and top fan Jane Popplethwaite's opinion. So I don't like Human Remains. I absolutely love Human Remains. I can't remember when I discovered it, but it was a life changer. I knew the first time I watched it that I wanted to be Julia Davis, as she was so funny and dark and just incredible. I used the whole show as a template for my own work on my own comedy shows. Julia Davis is my number one role model. She's so talented and original. I think the darkness attracts me the most. My favourite characters are the really posh couple in the first episode, as there is such sadness and domestic abuse, but from a female character. Then my second favourite is the slithering episode, especially when she is pouring bleach into the hot tub. The couple that are running the swingers B&B. I love how Julia Davis portrays grotesque, complex female characters, which other people rarely write, also addressing mental health, so honestly and graphically. There will never be another Human Remains show like it, which is unfortunate, but also shows how original it is and how it stands the test of time. The Extras DVD is also great because it shows you how the episodes and the writing was put together. Julia Davis was always the lead character and the one that had the control, usually which is so refreshing. Thank you for the comment, Jane. And I agree with it, standing the test of time. I have rewatched episodes and then years later realised things that I missed originally. E.g. the one episode in Brighton and how dark it is. 
I think Human Remains works so well as it really focuses in on the characterization in a new way. The couple's tragedies aren't always 100% focused on making you laugh as an audience. It focuses on the pathos of the loser or the downtrodden. For example, Alan Partridge, David Brent, or in Human Remains, Stephen. From the All Over My Glasses episode. That's my favourite. I'm always quoting Michelle, Julia. Princess Diana. If you're looking for something similarly niche, try and find Steve Coogan's Paul and Pauline Calf's video diaries. They're available on DVD, and I think it's online somewhere too. Hello, today on Clogcast, I have a boss-ass female comedian, slash MC and promoter. Please say hello to Sajila Kershi. Yay! Woo! Hello! Oh, hello. Hello. Thanks for hello. having me on. No worries. Thank you for, for taking part. Amazing. Thank you. Really, I am honoured. Oh, no. The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> she is most known for her friend show. Uh, is it Fight Like a Girl? Yeah, Fight Like, like a, girl. a Girl is my Fight solo like show. Yeah. Solo show. And, yeah. and the Extraordinary Immigrant Diaries. How are you yes. today? I'm okay. It's a, it's a, it was a, we had a glorious weekend, didn't we? And um, oh it's kind of gone a bit meh today. But, oh. you know, it's a lockdown day. I'm not sure what day is it. Do you know, Rebecca? I, I don't know. About <laughs> week, week four, five? I don't know. It's all blending into one. Yeah. I, I barely know what day it is. But, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. It's a roller coaster ride, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit cold today, and every, I think everyone feels a bit tired today, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Stuart just got herself a tea. What tea did he get? Oh, so I, I am old school. Mm-hmm. I like my regular builder's tea, so it's oh, wow. got to be Yorkshire, Yorkshire blend. Um, and I think it's one of my. If I had to take something on a desert island, you know, what three things would I take? I think tea, my Yorkshire blend tea would be one of them. (laughs) Because as you know, tea comes from India, that region. I'm from Pakistan. And my family are always aghast when I used to go to Pakistan and I should take my own tea with me, tea bags. I said, you do know this is not English tea. You're (laughs) taking tea that came from here over there. They, They repackaged it and now you're bringing it back here. I said, yeah, yeah, no, but I know that the Yorkshire blend is different. It's definitely different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Shameful. Oh. <laughs> it makes sense because, like, my mum, when she goes on holiday, she, like, brings, like, all her Earl Grey and my dad's decaf tea because... Yeah. Because yeah. they, like, they just want their tea. They don't want, like, a weird, like... No, weird, like, we want... Weird, like, tea in a little packet. <laughs> we just want our own our little luxuries, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And I've been calling them uh, hashtag lockdown lockdown luxuries because nice. all the things that we took for granted have now become, um, you know, little joys, little moments of joy. Like having a cup of tea, it's <laughs> it wonderful. Um, you know, uh, being able to like do my skincare routine. I take my time now. And I think oh, what a lovely thing to be able to do. You know, so all those little things that I took for granted. Uh, if I go for my daily walk. Uh, I, I <clears throat> which I haven't been going for actually for a few days now, but because too many people out there, um, yeah. So I, I, you know, if I see like a bluebell or a, or even a dandelion, which is which is supposed to be the run to the litter of the flower kingdom, isn't it? But um, I'm like, wow, look at that. That's amazing. I wouldn't have noticed. So there is a positive side to to lockdown. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Definitely, that's a really, I, I like that hashtag. Um, we should get it trending on like Twitter. Yeah, hashtag lockdown luxuries. <laughs> what, what have you had to eat so far today? Oh, so um, I, I did I did uh, go to have an avocado, but then it was time to speak. And I was planning on having an avocado with some <laughs> lime squeezed on it. Luxury lime. Hey. I can't always get them. I got luxury lime. Woohoo, luxury luxuries. And um, uh, uh, <clears throat> I was going to have a bowl of uh, muesli. Oh, Normally, nice. I have porridge, so yeah, yeah. Nigel Porridge, as I like to call it. <laughs> it's a Nigel Porridge, which munch, munch, munch down my throat into the acid of my stomach. Yes, a bit of Nigel Porridge. <laughs> yeah. What, what muesli were you having? Oh, I know. We know we use the brands. Alpen, but any other brand will do. <laughs> I quite Alpen's like that Devon nice. one. Uh, yeah, Alpen's <laughs> lovely, but I do like that Devon one, which I bet it's not really from Devon. I spoke to my friends, you know, who's from that region, She's convinced it's not made in Devon. Oh, it's a nice blend, though. The Devon one is like a pretty bougie treat. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of a... That's a luxury, actually. Right. Definitely. Well, I've, I did have a box of that, but it's run out now. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Hmm. So, uh, this, uh, this next question is... Uh, basically, my dad found that... Uh, he got me this book, and... Mm-hmm. And then forgot he'd got it for me and had it signed. And so uh, we were reading the questions and we were kind of inspired by that. So yeah. the next question is taken from The Emergency Questions by Richard Herring. What do you consider the most mediocre <clears throat> chocolate bar? Oh, okay. So you might be um, too young to remember this advert, but I do, I'm sure they've still got the chocolate bar out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard of Fry's Turkish Delight? Yeah, yeah, I know fries, Turkish. Oh, my God. Okay, so the reason why it says the most mediocre, because back in the day, they had this advert, which was quite um, uh, Orientalism in this kind of thing. There's a woman, she's got like a, before hijabs was a thing, before that became a debate, it was actually quite an erotic thing where the woman's covered up in a a hijab thing, and it's like a a beautiful, floaty, see-through veil. She's got her eyes beautifully made up. (laughs) There's there's a man and a camel, and, you know, she's riding on the camel. And uh, then then, then this Turkish delight is revealed. Um, And, and of course, there's so many wrong (laughs) things in that advert because... uh, there's nothing Turkish about it for a start um, and the reference is wrong and of course the woman's sexuality albeit covered with this flimsy kind of burqa thing mm. um, is, is, is used to you know suggest to sell this item but when I was a kid mm. I, was like, I was like oh that looks so delicious that looks so delicious mm. I want it I want it and then finally got to eat it and it was really perfumed and vile and later on, when I would eat real, authentic oh. Turkish delight, Turkish, Turkish, um, what is it? Is it called Turkish delight? What is it called? The the, the stuff that you get in Turkey. <clears throat> um, the little, you know, the yeah. jelly kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. It, maybe it's called Turkish delight. Uh, it had a completely different taste. And so this chocolate was not a chocolate. It wasn't Turkish delight. It was just, it was, it was perfumed, vile crap. And oh, yet the advert has totally sold me on it. And for years, I've been thinking, I, there's something wrong with me that I don't really like it. So there must be, it must be my, you know, my issue. Uh, and there is another one. Let me have a look. I can't remember. I re- remembered it last night that I don't like. Ripple, Ripple, oh, Ripple. Okay. I think Ripple's, because that, that, that's like, so that's an old reference, but Ripple, hmm. um, I think is a budget flake. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like it's trying to be 
Hmm. You know, it's 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 the um, who's there was there was there was, a, there was a battle between Joe Jordan and the other one who was a like glamour model. I can't remember hmm. her name, but yeah, basically, it's, it's trying to be the budget um, flake. Hmm. <laughs> also, an early prototype hmm. of uh, twirl, I think, that went wrong. Ooh. No, it was. It's like it went wrong, but then somebody decided to put it right, and yeah. then twelve came out, and twelve hits the spot. You see, yeah, twelve, yeah, yeah, yeah. twelve does what it should do in a way that Ripple never could. Yeah. Yeah. So Ripple is like the middle child that is difficult and nobody really likes. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, sorry to my lovely, lovely, lovely brother. That's not true. That's not true. He's a big <laughs> child. <laughs> Oh, but no. yeah, so I, I think Ripple is overrated because it's not quite hitting the spot for me. Mm. It's not quite a flake. Flake does its job. It's not quite as yet a twirl. So it's that kind of in-between stage that doesn't belong either way. Um, flake, but it's just not hitting. Flake like the older brother? Yeah, Flake like the older brother, but less successful. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so Flake, no, Flake would be older. Flake's the older brother, but it's, it's like... The younger brother Flake, older brother too, twelve, but just less successful. Mm. You know, the run to the litter. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> um, I see what you mean by like, uh, like uh, for the Turkish Delight advert because the sixties mm. and seventies, uh, particularly say Turkish Delight and Flake, they seem to like it was this weird period in like TV time where they seem to, in way, some ways, like sex up chocolate. Mm-hmm. It was, like, mm-hmm. it was more, up yeah. I mean, I say it was more seventies and early eighties. I mean, that's what I remember. Yeah, so seventies, seventies, eighties. That's what I remember. And then Flake, actually, Flake was a very sexualized, yeah, yeah very sexualized. Um, and it was always women used to sort of. I mean, I, you know, I'd never have <laughs> got have got those references as a child. But let's look at it, face it. When you look back to it, it's really what it's suggesting is: look, uh, buy a woman a Flake, and she'd be really good at blowjobs. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it's saying, isn't it? Really, in a nutshell, it's, it's very, it's, it's very, uh, <clears throat> it's a very naughty advert. Yeah, very naughty. And who <laughs> eats chocolate in the bath? But also, <laughs> I do, I do blame that era for, mm. um, for basically suggesting this this whole myth that women, oh, we can't survive without our chocolate. You know, we need our chocolate. Oh. And like, all women like chocolate. They're always worried about the weight, but they still love their chocolate because they can, uh, they, if only they could get over their addiction of ch- chocolate, then maybe they'd be thin and beautiful. You know, it's, it's kind of, there's a, there's a sort of undercurrent of, that's quite sinister, I think, of, of that era of chocolate promotion. Mm. Mm. Well, there you go. We didn't expect that conversation okay, to go yeah, there, did yeah, we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was also going to bring up uh, my, my mediocre chocolate bar, which I feel is a crunchy, Oh, oh, I love but crunchies. I just think they're I like... I love crunchies. I don't I just... <clears throat> um, they're okay, but I just think there's just something... Like, like uh, unimpressive about them. I don't know, it just... Oh, it's just, okay. it's just honeycomb. It just seems it's just honeycomb. So it's not even a chocolate because they're just... Well, it's the same as a Turkish Delight because it's really... There's that jelly bit and they've just put a slither of chocolate yeah. over it and called it a chocolate bar. So it's imposter chocolate, yeah. really. I get what you're saying. But I have to say, it's a very good ingredient for one of the desserts I make. Mm. Um, yeah, I crush it down mm. together with dime bars, oh. uh, which is another imposter chocolate with a slither of chocolate over it. 
Do you like dime bars? Yeah, I like dime bars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so, I'd, but but what about in a in a box of roses? Because I've got a big box of roses which I've bought for the cottage, but of course we're not having the cottage anymore um, for my cottages. And um, I was thinking, everybody loves the caramel hazelnut one, don't they? And they love the popular. Yeah, it's popular. Yeah, it's a popular one. And then, do you ever eat the round coin ones, the toffee ones, and the long ones, uh, the other? Toffee sort of ones. I don't know. I don't. I leave those. I leave those. So why do they have them? I think everybody leaves those. Do you like the coffee ones? I don't know. I I, I prefer I prefer that like orange wrapper, octagonal orange crisp one. Oh, that's yeah. lush. Yeah, that and is I, lush. I like the I like the fruity creams. They're not too bad. Um, not too bad. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. But yeah, they 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 need to look at some of the chocolates in that tin and think well but do we really need those mm. you know, they, need, they may they may they may have had their day now mm, yeah maybe yeah mm. but yeah crunchy i take your point i think <laughs> it's probably on par with a turkish delight then that it is an imposter chocolate mm. yeah. uh, thank you for answering my uh my hard-hitting question. Thank you. <laughs> it is. It is a question of the day. I mean, people will be at home thinking, "Gosh, I think I'm enlightened." And they need. They need we need enlightenment these times. In these difficult times. Definitely. And um, if if you're all good to go, I'd like to ask some <clears throat> comedy questions. Yes, sure. Let's do it. Uh, <coughs> what slash who inspired you to get into comedy? Um, huh. so, um, okay, originally started with the love of acting. So if you've seen my Immigrant Diaries show, I always talk about it. I, I, I'm, so apparently, like Bond films, I know this is not PC, mm. Bond films is the reason I always wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the first, like I said, if you watch Immigrant Diaries, you'll know that it was started with my, um, me getting the role of Mary in the school nativity play. Um, you know, Muslim Mary is quite impressed. I was like, oh, I've been cast as Mary in the school nativity play, but the school bully jo- Joseph, he played Joseph and he was like, you're not playing Mary. You're not playing Mary, Julia, because, you know, bullies are never good with names. And I said, well, can't I play Mary? Because not playing Mary because Mary, right, she was actually British. So I'm like, okay, I've no idea what became of that thick child, Joseph, but uh, I like to imagine that he might have, t- I don't know, grown up to be John- Nigel Farage, who knows? But the point is, I did have a, a love of acting and it because I was a quite a shy, very shy um, child, and uh, believe it or not. Um, and it was a way of me being someone else on stage or and or just to go into a fantasy world. You know, I was always like having little imagination was really active. But we watched John Bond films at home um, a lot as a family. And apparently, when I was a newborn baby, my parents in Pakistan took me to see a Bond film. Mm-hmm. There were some kissing scenes, and my mum, quite naively, covered my <laughs> eyes as a baby because she said she didn't want me to be like... <laughs> well, it didn't work, because obviously I grew up loving the Bond films. And it's obviously it's so politically incorrect now, those Bond genre. And I never wanted to be the Bond girl. Mm. I wanted to be James Bond. You know, mm. I, 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 you know, like when you watch anything and you imagine yourself as that character. So I always imagined myself as as Bond. <laughs> um, you know, confident and and debonair and flash and dangerous. Um, and you know, sometimes I might think, well, maybe that's something to do with you know wanting to be a man. It wasn't. I think it was these qualities that I was probably seeking that I didn't know 
that I could have. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was the love of acting. And then I guess when I did play, I didn't get to play Mary. I played the school um, in the school nativity. I played the uh, innkeeper, the drunken innkeeper. And I remember I played it and I got laughs. And it was the first time that I thought making people laugh is actually quite powerful because everyone came up to me afterwards and said, oh, that was so funny, so good. And I couldn't understand. Well, was it, was it funny? Was it supposed to be funny? Because I didn't understand what comedy was yet. Hmm. Then I guess my true calling came after watching programs like um, Dave Allen, comedian Dave Allen. Yeah, yeah. Who's a storyteller, effectively a storyteller. And he used to have me mesmerizing, sitting there, pulling on your cigarette, you know, so man works in the bar. And he says, and he just punctuated mm-hmm. all his, and I am hooked. And again, I guess in the early days of stand up, I didn't use that style. I hadn't mm-hmm. got my voice yet. So I didn't, I was trying to write jokes. I'm not, and, I, and I realized that actually I'm not, I'm not a pun joke writer. I tell stories. And then doing Immigrant Diaries, which is a true storytelling show, that's where I found my voice, I think, because it was, and it was then going back to that Dave Allen style of anecdotes. Um, so him and then for sheer um, bravery and audacity, mm. I guess Joan Rivers has to be probably the top. I remember reading her biography and reading how hard her life had been mm. and thinking, gosh, you know, I've had a tough old life. Mm. And here she is still making light of her you know, misery, if you like. Mm. And and I thought, oh, my God, that's what we do in my families as a, you know, we we just the darkest moments we we find humor in them and she was so brave and fearless as well so she's definitely in the top three of influences in comedy and then thirdly um rick mail was probably my first time i remember going to school oh. and saying you know kind of like oh did you see so and so you know did you see this did you see comic strip did you see <clears throat> um and then everything that rick mail did all the work that followed him oh. um you know, the, the, the young ones, all of it. Uh, then that led to the alternative com- comedy, which is Ben Elton, um, oh, you know, all those, that kind of genre of people mm. uh, definitely were massive influences. And then um, Lenny Henry. Mm. Lenny Henry was, uh, I, when I was a student, mm. I worked in um, a, it's called Caesar's, palace i think uh <laughs> serving like a waitress you know oh. and they've got like billy Connolly, they've got mm. lenny henry you know all these big big names uh who, who are big names now i can't remember if they were must they must have been big names then oh. uh performing but then being sort of mesmerized by it and that power they had in that room of controlling that audience making them laugh and, and making them happy and watching lenny henry then do stuff like where he used to white up we talk about blacking up, but he used to white up. He used to, you know, dress, he used to pretend to be David Bellamy and you know, white <laughs> characters. And that was probably the first kind of like, yeah, why, why? After being told by a drama teacher, mm. Asian people can't play any roles in Shakespeare, or mm. it, this was like a great thing. It was like, wow, he's played a white person and made people laugh, though. Mm. Why can't I do that? So that was I've been obsessed with that ever since, both in within the acting kind of sphere and also comedy that nothing is off limits you know um so yeah they're they're but they're my bit bit influences why i got into comedy um yeah what about you uh i never asked you what what made you get into it i think i think similar just like an interest like 
in like because I um because I was quite shy when I was younger and I think it's a quite good level of power like because when you go on stage because in normal social situations it would be a bit tricky to like fully navigate what's how someone is phrasing something but when you're on stage yeah. you don't really care because like, yeah, you're yeah. on stage and it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. quite fun because it's like you have to listen to me like it's that platform and I, I just like entertaining and I just I just wanted to like it's, it's a good feeling uh, making people laugh it is it is I agree you, it's nothing better is there of the audience. <coughs> It's um, it's not even just a power. It's like even even running um, the cottage when people leave and they've got smiles on their faces, and I and I think you know what we we as a team work together to make this happen tonight, and that includes the audience, that includes the comedians, that includes my team, um, and it's just it's a, there's nothing better than that feeling that we've just made someone's night, and you know they're going to go go they're going to go home happy. Yeah. So that that's not just about being on stage. That's also about creating a, a space for people to watch this. Yeah. So I think um, it's it's yeah. It's just not, there's no greater joy than making people laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm still looking. I'm looking for my 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 my, my drugs basically, <laughs> and not not not. And only prescription drugs. It's got antihistamines. I can't find it anyway because <laughs> of the hay fever. No, you just mentioned Comedy Cottage. Uh, mm-hmm. As the MC slash promoter of said Comedy Cottage, which is, is it naughty? It's a Surrey-based comedy night. And you have a huge range of acts on, like really impressive mm-hmm. acts, like uh, Patrick um, Monaghan, mm-hmm. and just such a good range of acts. And, and you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, from your perspective, what what are your thoughts on weird acts? And you can be one hundred percent honest here. Okay, so I I absolutely celebrate that, and I always have done because I think it's really important. I've, I I mean, one of the things that the cottage was doing way before other, um, you know, it's become kind of trendy now. Inverted oh. commas to um, to have a oh, we've got this, you know, let's promote it. This is an all black lineup. This is an all you know, disability lineup. This is a very diverse lineup. Announce it, announce it, announce it. That that you know, that's become very kind of the mode of show. But I was doing that from that from the beginning because I didn't I didn't see I didn't always see on the stage in the early days um, any reflections of myself. And that's actually been my kind of story right from even from childhood. I never saw those role models if you like that were like me. And so I think that hearing diverse voices is really important. Um, also just really uh different i call it i always say that we we produce a smorgasbord of of uh comedy lineups you know and it is it really is something i want want my thing is like that there should be something there for everybody Mm. and when it comes to the slightly alternative weird wacky that's where i took some inspiration right from the early days of getting into you know my love of comedy so why should i not then put that on my stage and also this 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 idea that oh no 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 audiences they don't like it you see they don't like they don't like the weirdos they don't like they don't like the ethnics they don't want to, they, that's not what they want to see right I don't know why I've given it that voice from Red Hill but there you go <laughs> um, and then, and that's absolutely not true because um, I think our audience at the cottage are probably the most comedy literate smart savvy crowd that you're going to get. Hmm. And these people aren't just like coming out 
oh, oh nothing else to do. I mean, there, there will be a, there will be a, sort of a section of people just trying it out for the first time and see what it's like. But then they become hooked, and it's part of the community thing that they've they're part of something collectively together. You know, I'd like to think that women can come on their own and they feel safe. They can meet people in the bar. It's a safe environment. But it's also a safe environment for any kind of comedian to come and, you know, do their thing. So, of course, I'm looking at a book like, um, you know, I don't know, like five, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, sketch acts. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a bar, you know, it's, it's, it's always, so when I ask people, I make sure that I've already always seen the act usually, mm. but I try and, make sure that the lineup is, is, uh, it complements each other, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not a fan of lineups where it's the same sort of style all the night long. You know, I get agents that contact me and say, can you book so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And I see their, their like kind of stable of acts, if you like, I watch their YouTube clips and I just think there's nothing, nothing exciting here. There's nothing new. There's nothing different. You know, yes, they're they're safe pair of hands, but there's nothing. And so, when I find those slightly alternative, different comedians, I'm really excited by that. That excites me, and I think that's going to excite my audience. And it genuinely does, you know, because if you set it up right, um, like I probably wouldn't open with you, but I would put you because they they need to be like, okay, you know, we're getting into comedy mode, and then I'd put you sort of slightly later. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's nothing to that's, that's not no no reflection of how any person but everybody shines if you everyone can shine if you put them in the right place on the lineup mm-hmm. you know like don't what's open with a character happen? act that's the golden rule isn't it yeah yeah it is of course, of course everyone will shine if you put them in the wrong order don't open with a character act general rule but some some you know someone like lee nelson would be a great opener <clears throat> you know it's not you can also break the rules and i think it's really important uh, that the comedy world, especially now, is going to have to change. It's going to have to move along. You know, it's not the landscape is it's not going to be the same. I think we need to accept that. Mm. Um, and it had been changing even before this lockdown, and people need to move with that. Which means that, um, you know, oh, we've got an opener, middle mm. section, twenty, and a closer. Right, that's mm. where we do it. You know, uh, and this is what MC uh, blah blah blah, mm. and, and it's just like fuck off. I don't, you know, there's, there's no reason to do it like that. That's a very dated way of doing things. So I, I do mess things up around. I do, you know, um, I try and have about three tens because I make them just as much, um, an important part of the show mm. as are the openers and the closers, you know, those tens, they get treated like I don't know where you played it, so you know, you know that it's it's you you, you get you're playing it like. <clears throat> you'll, excuse me, I've got just my hay, hay fever allergies, guys. Sorry, sorry, listeners, croaking my throat. Um, yeah, so the, the the tens, I like, I want them to feel just as important, just as amazing when they get off that stage, and for the audience to have given them the same reaction and often mm-hmm. the audience will come up and, and will and point out to one of the tens that say oh my god they were so amazing i loved it because they also like the idea that perhaps they've seen some genius mm-hmm. that um you know they've discovered that night so yeah I've, I've i can't it, remember the question now <laughs> i think it's definitely always uh I think that's a very like good that's a, that's a very good like idea to do in those on like the comedy nights because it it kind of, um, 
I think it I think it definitely helps like the comedians feel a bit more comfortable, doesn't it? A bit more relaxed. Like, yeah, yeah. And I always set it up and say, look, you know, because sometimes when I was, a, you know, to go do 10 spots, mm-hmm. you're treated like, oh, you know, just you're just kind of cannon fodder. You're just kind of filling up the gaps. And nobody really talks to you. Nobody really, you know. Um, but for me, um, they are as welcome and made to feel as special as any other. Because also that's going to, and I'm always like, look, just don't worry. The audience are great. You're going to have, you just enjoy it while you're up there. Because people forget to enjoy it. Sometimes, you no know, stand up. You can get yourself so worked up. with It's hard sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's important to remember when you're up there, just enjoy it. Um, and, and you know, they, they're just a great, they're just a great receptive audience. But that isn't, that can be created anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't believe, I think that model can be created anywhere. It's just don't, don't treat audiences like idiots, you know, kind of be authentic. <clears throat> yeah, don't, you know, just treat them, give them some honesty. Um there was a time when Patrick Monaghan, you mentioned Patrick Monaghan, we were snowed in at the first venue that we had and um, he couldn't get to us. Now, any other promoter would have said, oh, you know, they're on their way, but I was just like, look, okay, look, I'll be honest. I don't know if he's going to make it today, but we'll just keep going. Are you guys all right? That's already prepared them for, for the potential, which I could see happening. Yeah. Of course, he didn't make it. He was on a train. And so what he did was he, we phoned it in. So I put the phone to the mic <laughs> and he was talking to everybody, promising them all, uh, Cliff Richard calendars and because there was such good faith in the room nobody demanded their money back because they kind of got what's happening because you've been honest with them and and also because they feel that's not just that's not my club that's our club yeah. that's their club yeah. you know it's like you have to they've got some ownership over that the the, the audience because they know that they've invested they've not invested financially <clears throat> as such but They've invested their time and their energy and their loyalty to coming. So I do feel it's like a, a, a absolutely a massive team effort and not just my wonderful team that, you know, helped me run it as well. Uh, yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, I think that's anywhere, any, any show play actor in any kind of creative thing. It has to be a, a thing that belongs to all of you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 an event. Like if you if you you know, when I wrote my play, that only worked because it was all of us collectively with the audience getting into an agreement that we're going to watch this. There's we may cry, we may laugh, um, you know, but it's it's we invest something in it. Then I think hmm. definitely, yeah. And they're a very welcoming audience. Uh, oh, they're gorgeous. I say comedy literate, literate, but however, that's not always the case sometimes. No. no, no. Some of them, some audiences that can be assholes. You're absolutely right, Rebecca. Are assholes oh. <laughs> because they have not learnt the ways not learnt like the way. our cottages have. Ah, <laughs> oh, so warm. But are they? I wonder if they are. I think it's maybe. Have they been set up, or is it? Because I do. I, there are many oh, factors. I, I agree. Others. Yeah, there's many factors. Yeah. Yeah, well, because I, I do wonder when I go and think, God, that was a horrible. That was a tough crowd. But then, how would we learn our game? This goes back to what we were saying before we started the podcast, is that you need to – failure is such an important part of success. Mm. And um, you cannot um, – I'm not a fan of the cookie-cutter, um, you know, made-for-TV kind of comedy um, brigade, which has been taken over the circuit for the last few years, which is like you get into comedy just to get famous. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I will let you – um, carry on. Sorry. 
No, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I've learned so much. Well, so have I, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, for someone who hasn't seen Immigrant Diaries, how would you explain the show to them? Okay, so um, Immigrant Diaries is basically a true storytelling show. Yeah. Uh, let me just give you um, a, a background. So back in 2012, we had the Olympics. Uh, and, of course, people coming from all across the globe, pre-coronavirus, <laughs> can you believe it now? It seems so shocking, doesn't it now? <laughs> uh, coming over, and London was beautiful. It was just, you know, it was just wonderful seeing all these nationality together. I go to Edinburgh, and what is Edinburgh? Edinburgh is a town full of people from somewhere else. And, and I came back and saw the Paralympics, and then I get asked to do some radio programs, you know, mm-hmm. comment on immigration, refugee crisis. Uh, and then I think one of the people sort of said, well, how, how do you feel about this? And, and I knew what they were inferring. They were saying, like, basically, you know, you're an immigrant. And I was really taken aback. I was like, oh, my God, it doesn't matter how long I've been here. I'm still seen as part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm ranting to a friend. And I said, immigrants don't tell the story. People people do. And there it was, the gem of an idea of show. And I thought, actually, the very people at the heart of the debate are always absent. They mm-hmm. don't speak. So why don't I, like, you know, with, with this with this entity of people coming over here, swarming, doing it, blah, um, why don't we give them a voice? So I invited friends and, um, you know, at the time, there were friends really that I'd, I kind of relied on people I'd had contact with uh, in the public eye who had uh, immigrant heritage. And um, and the premise was really simple. They come on stage and they tell their true story of, mm. of being an immigrant. Um, and initially I started it with uh, Samina, well, my friend Samina Zera, so we both co-hosted an hour story narrative, if you like, ran through their stories. And what happened was it was really magical. It's a really simple idea. And a lot of people have kind of emulated it from, yeah. from that. It's that those stories, it didn't matter where they were from. Yeah. Um, yes, we're from different backgrounds, but we've all got the same stuff going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've all got grandparents that might have influenced us or food that like food ish, you know, stories yeah. that kind of, uh, you know, food is a massive thing that keeps coming up, mm. how it binds people and, 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 and joins people. But um, it just grew and grew and grew. And I thought it would just be like a year, maybe that that's that I do that, the festivals. Mm. It's that's 2012. That's eight years now, isn't it? Eight years it's oh, been going strong. Yeah. And it's won awards. Yeah. It's got like, and it's literally got four, and it sounds really like I'm boasting, but it's because I'm really proud of it. Four or five stars you know, all the way through. And oh, it's oh, always wow. delights audiences. It's a, just a joy because and you do not have to be an immigrant or have an immigrant heritage to enjoy the show. Um, it's, 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 I think only way, one person, yeah. Together in a way. Sorry? It feels like a very much a big like collaborative coming together of ideas. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, because that's, that's, that's my whole body work. It's all about, um, I don't, you know, it's like anybody says, oh, yeah, you know, I don't, well, I'm not on the TV, so therefore I don't really matter. That's how, how it works, isn't it, these days? Unless you're on the TV, you're not relevant. But I have, you know, I'm very proud of everything I've achieved, but that didn't happen completely on my own. That came, and so I'm very much about teamwork and collaborations and 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 having that generosity to, to work with um, people. That's really important. You, you know, any, I don't like the... I'm just out for myself. That's just me, 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 you know. Um, because I think the more you give out there, it's if you're in the arts, 
if you're in the creativist kind of world, especially comedy. I mean, comedians generally are very collaborative, I think. I don't know, I'm sure you found that as well. They are very giving. I think so, definitely on the, like, maybe the support side, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's, 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 it's just uh, there's become a little bit more cutthroat than when I first started, I think. Oh, okay, wow. That's interesting to think about that, yeah. Hmm. As a as a fringe favourite, particularly with Edinburgh, with your wonderful previous shows, do you have... Uh, this is a slightly lighter question. Do you have any odd slash troublesome audience anecdotes? <clears throat> how, 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 did, how did you deal with hecklers? Okay, so I, um, <laughs> I've, I, I have, I'm known to have like mini meltdowns through Edinburgh. I think everybody does, but they'll have a massive big one. I think so. I've definitely heard uh, of people like ranting, even though I haven't gone up the full month. I've heard people ranting and being like, oh, hi. I think yes. that's <laughs> Yeah, so you do. Because it's an intense month. People don't realize. I think you get up there going for a jolly, but it's exhausting. And mm. I, because I'm thinking, <clears throat> I'm up there, mm. you know, and it's work, I would literally like go in any spots. You know, because the whole point is just supposed to be seen as much as possible. So I, I will gig one place another to another place. I'm exhausted, and literally by the time I go home, hmm. I'm just ready for my bed. You know, because <laughs> I, I, I've worked so hard, and um, so I will have a meltdown. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's not a holiday. And I remember this like quite early on. It's probably my first solo show that I did, um, and I managed to get very ill that year. Actually, hmm. um, anyway, I, I, I'm on stage, and some guy, some Asian hmm. guy. Um, said something i said sorry what did you just say hmm. the guy goes oh you know you're not funny and then all the audience went Ooh. <laughs> and um <laughs> and i said uh, well you are you know you can leave if you want hmm. and he just kept like heckling and his friends were trying to shut him up so I said, just shut up shut up he was drunk and uh, uh in the end i just remember i i just completely lost it because i couldn't carry on hmm. and i said are you gonna get out and and, I, and he said no i'm not so i got <laughs> gave this mic to the guy in the front it was a packed room Oh, and I literally grabbed him by his oh. collar and I put, I said, get out of my show. Don't you ever go to any comedian's show that you haven't researched first. <laughs> and I threw him out. And then everybody was just a moment of silence. Uh, and then they got an applause because obviously he'd been irritating everybody. But then, um, and I, and I, but I just couldn't really quite get it back on track because I didn't have the experience to be able to do that. I think today, if I did that now, yes, I could, because I've got yeah. that, um, uh, mind you, after lockdown, I don't know. I don't know. Probably lost all my skills now. But you know, you can get it back on track, and you can smooth things over. But I just couldn't. And then a couple of days later, I saw these guys, big burly Aussie guys, that were sitting at the front. I said, "Hey, mate, mate, we saw your show the other day. It was going great, but that guy, he totally frightened us. He really scared us. And these big blokes, I was like, oh my god, I scared them. Like, but um, yeah. So that's uh. That's one uh, of the blowouts I've had. I love, I love scaring guys in audiences. That's my favorite yeah. thing to do. My favorite thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, 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 are they feeling a little bit emasculated by a woman <laughs> on the stage? Mm. Yes, They're definitely. So frighten those so ones. Fun. Yeah, definitely. It's a delight, isn't it? It's an absolute delight. It's one of my like comedy rules where if I have audience interaction, yeah. I make sure I pick on a bloke because I think yeah. like. It just feels a bit odd picking on a female to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get you. I get you. <laughs> also, they're harder to. It's like uh, groups of stags. I find I can handle a lot easier than groups of hens. Hens, are hens, 
hens are, because you know, we know girls when they get drunk. Oh my god! I mean, it's like they are vicious, and the way that men see men, you can, um, you know, if they might be drunk, it just they just need a matron to put them in their place, you know, <laughs> just to kind of, you know, shut them up. Whereas the girls, they'll just they'll kick off. It's like you having a go at my friends, I'm going to smash your face in. <clears throat> and then it's like security can you out, please <laughs> but yeah I do find um, which sounds like I'm against a sisterhood I'm not it's just that it's also I'm kind of partly celebrating the fact that women are fierce and they're not taking any shit really but um, yeah I think uh, oh the other other one I had was where I'd had a really bad review from oh, no. we won't mention which publication a very uh, a child's publication and um, and I was and I went into the spot uh, <laughs> you know uh, there's a number, <laughs> and then the number of how, what seven days create a All right, never mind. I've got it. That's fine. And um, this other gig, like where I'm doing a spot, ranting about the review and saying, you know, this bloody child reviewed me and said da 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 da. And I and I and I obviously was being funny because I was like it's faux ranting, um, and so they were laughing. So what are the chances of the reviewer? being in that show as well um and uh, they said oh you know uh, we were going to give like i don't know three two stars or something uh, uh, but we because she made us laugh we'll we'll let her get away with it or something um and it was just like <laughs> really really the same bloody reviewers are in, in the same show in a different show okay. <laughs> um but yeah i mean that, that was like the early days i think now i would be it's a, it's a different thing because I think after a few years, you know the quality of your own work. So, and that sounds really arrogant, but you, you could get those bad reviews, but you also know you're able to judge yourself whether you deserve that or not. <laughs> At that point in the early days, you know, I was just like, well, how could they? How could they? Well, probably because you deserve that lower, great, lower stars. But now I wouldn't put something out there that I didn't think was worthy of more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good thing to think about. Yeah, um, I, I see what you mean by the breakdowns. Um, I, I'm still not the best at dealing with like like heckly rooms, and I do get that like breakdown, like angry mindset. <laughs> I probably shouldn't do. Uh, so, um, on the same uh, question, you've already provided loads of interesting tidbits, but do you have any uh, tips for future comedians listening? Um, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. no um any future tips i'd say um and one of the questions or one of the conversations i have uh continually with colleagues you know with my friends um is i can't so and so won't book me uh i can't get this good why don't i why am i not more successful why is nobody getting what i'm doing and i would just say whatever you're doing whatever style it is, if you believe in that work, if that's who you believe you are, stay true to it because you will find your audience Mm. and do not listen to the naysayers. Do not listen to the negativity because yeah, you take on board what you want to take on. So if a review saying, you know, um, I don't know, (laughs) whatever, don't take that as gospel. If you don't, you know, you also got to have some self-awareness, very important to have self-awareness, but, um, I take what I need to take from critique. Okay, I, I, get, I get that. I understood that because I've got some self-awareness around what I think. Yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming with that. That bit I don't agree with, but I, I do agree with this. And um, so just do what you want to do, exactly how you want to do it, 
and mm. do it your way and find a way. If, if your doors are closing in your face, find a way. Because trust me, those doors do close. That actually makes you a better thing. But self-awareness is key. Knowing you can't go on stage and just died on your ass and you're not aware of it. Because you know, you know, we all know comics like that. Sorry to say it, but it's generally boys, right? Who will come, oh, I smashed it, smashed it. I was fantastic. And it's like, really? We, we were in the same gig. That didn't, that's not what happened. Um, but, I mean by you, because you get posts on Facebook. I was, I think I was ran talking, posting about this a while back, about how, like, online, a lot of guys, sorry, guys, yeah. were saying, like, will type up, like, oh, yeah, I smashed that gig. It's always violence, isn't it? I smashed it, killed it, nailed it. And then they describe the whole thing. They describe the whole show. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, mate, I smashed it. Or when when or when they uh, post about them opening for their mate, but it's not a super impressive it's not like, oh I'm opening for Jimmy Carr or Nish Kumar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Yeah. I'm opening for my mate. Who's your mate? Is it Nish Kumar? Is it a No, it's someone else we've never heard of. I don't understand I that. How do you open for someone? I just don't know. Well, open for someone, you can open for someone who's, you know, famous. You can't go around saying, you know, it's opening for so-and-so. Yeah, I have to say, and, and it's okay. t- terrible because I don't like to kind of gender differentiate, but there is, there is, it's a very boy thing and I don't know if it's to do with, whereas women describe themselves very differently. You, we could smash it, hmm. but we'll go, oh, that was a lovely audience tonight. I had a lovely audience tonight. Um, or um, I had such a great gig there's tonight. A lack of, there's a lack of confidence, I feel, in <laughs> yeah. to be like, but if, yeah, yeah, I did smash it. And you're like... Mm-hmm. It's always like comedians being funny, or saying, um, so today, you know, the audience threw tomatoes at me. I totally smashed it. So their humour comes through even in that tweet, you know. Um, and... Uh, it's a different way. There's a more sort of humble thing, but I don't think we need to be humble. I think um, recently it was another um, something else like muggle job that I, you know sometimes do. That I said something like, um, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm the best at um, doing what I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, re- I'm very I'm not not the best. I said I'm very good at it." And they just looked at me like, "How? What? What? What?" And I said, "Why?" I said, "I've worked damn bloody hard." Yeah. to what I've got and um so you know all the accolades and awards I think I bloody deserve them yeah, I, you know yeah. I didn't I didn't get them handed to me on the plate I didn't get some agent three weeks into my working career I haven't still got a, an agent but so I didn't get an agent that was then promoting me and doing all the PR to make me look better than I am I've got you know I've fucking worked hard for it so why shouldn't I say I'm good at something you know why if a bloke said it we take that on board how dare you sit there judging me uh, because I'm simply because I'm a woman um who's who's basically got um you know confidence and, and confidence in a woman is seen as some kind of uh, arrogance and it's not Mm. arrogance misplaced arrogance is wrong so some of these guys are actually very insecure which is why they need to say they smashed it they did this and they were great they were smashing yeah 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 mm. and if you sort of say oh you know if you if you did this with that joke that could they don't want to hear it um that's actually insecurity a confident person is quite happy to listen to what you've got to say they won't get defensive uh, anyone who's defensive is not a confident person do you know what they said and it's a real I do think there's a gender difference in how women uh, performers and male performers are are kind of viewed in terms of how they interact. 
And I do wonder sometimes if women are kind of hold themselves back because I find the ones that are seen as more inverted commas aggressive or, um, you know, uh, it's kind of like, oh my God, she's like, she's got, she's got hunger in her, you know, she's got a killer instinct. Mm. Well, no, she's ambitious. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with her being ambitious and wanting to get ahead and doing the same thing that the guys are doing, but you're kind of, you know, you're kissing her for it. So I celebrate those strong, fierce women who are just going out there, going forward and pushing through and grabbing those opportunities. Go for it. That's really impressive because I, I, I see, I, I definitely feel that with female comedians and with myself in that sometimes I, when I see posts online about like gigs and I just feel like, oh, am I good enough to like apply for it? I don't know. How should I phrase the email to ask for something yeah 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 and i've done you know what i've been in the same position rebecca even now i feel i feel i find it really hard to ask for anything i find it very difficult because i've never you know it's also a pride thing on my part to, to but uh, but actually that is what you should be doing you should be asking for it you should be going for it you should be pushy and the same with the boys it's are really hard <laughs> it is really hard it is really really hard and um and it's interesting because um i i I sometimes get like people asking for gigs and the men are very, very different the way they ask to the women. The women are very tenatively, um, yeah, you know, I just um, hope you're well, you know, and uh, I'm just wondering. And and then the guys will be like, hi, yeah, uh, I I just supported my friend on a tour, uh, (laughs) a friend you've never heard of. And uh, I've done 12 gigs, you know, and and, uh, smashed it. I've got YouTube clips. Where, you know, I'm dying on my ass, but I'm just super, super confident, book me, right? And it's a really different approach. Mm. And actually, I'm more intrigued by the women because I want to see, because half, half the time, it's not the confidence. I'm looking for what kind of act they've got. So that's mm. what I, all I want to see. And I'm not that I don't want to book. I want to see where will I place them on a lineup. And so I'm more intrigued by that. The moment that, the, that I hear those like self-boasting kind of, I'm like, I've turned off. I've kind of, because in the first few sentences, you haven't given me, you know. Oh, and here's another thing for new comedians out there. When you do apply to a promoter for work, and I'm sure, Rebecca, you'll, you'll, you'll attest to this, get our names right, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, Daffo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- d- spell our names correctly. It's in the email that you just sent it to, so the spelling's been made easy for you. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's no reason for you to get that spelling wrong. Mm. Uh, it doesn't bode well when no. you uh, haven't even got the promoter's name right. Yeah, not good. I think it happens, I, I feel it mean when it happens in reverse and a promoter spells your name wrong and you're like, hmm. <laughs> could have, could have, um, good, or perhaps you could have just Googled it, you know. Yeah. But uh, thank you, thank you for those tips. Uh, to finish off, uh, thank you for being my guest. I, I've had, I've, we've had such interesting conversations. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, do you have anything to sell, such as social media handles or projects? Well, um, yes. Uh, so my uh, tour manager has started to book the tour for 2021 in the, in the hope that all this nightmare will be over then. So Immigrant Diaries and Fight Psycho Girl will be... Is that the tour for Immigrant Diaries? Immigrant Diaries and Fight Psycho Girl, hopefully for 2021. Um, But my, my Facebook um, is uh, Sajila Kershi, S-A-J-E-E-L-A, 
K-E-R-S-H-I-O, in, 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 in Morse code, whatever that language is, it's Sierra Alpha Juliet Echo Echo Lima Alpha, and then Kershey Kilo Echo Romeo Sierra Hotel, India. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and on, the, on Twitter, um, at Sajila Kershey, and on Instagram, at Sajila Kershey. Yeah. Um, yeah, come find me, say hello. With less chat. We've got lockdown. We've got loads of time to talk now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, no, been... Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I do love one thing about lockdown. We get to see each other's houses. I just want to give a big shout out to my lovely cottagers as well, which also include your family members, Rebecca. Um, I, I miss them so much. I can't tell you. <laughs> Um, and hopefully I'm going to try and put something out there for, for, for them as well. So I hope they'll hear from yeah. me soon. And thanks for having me on, Rebecca. Really grateful. Right. They miss you too. Oh, bless them. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do you want to shout out your the Comedy Cottage Angels? Oh, yes, definitely. So lovely Sue Abraham, as I just mentioned, who just dropped off my, uh, <laughs> my, my, my antibacterial wash for me. Bless her. I love her. Uh, and Peter Dennis, who does all the sound tunes, and in fact, anybody needs any sound things, uh, please, please uh, hire him. If you oh. need posters or any artwork done, hire Sue Abraham because she's an amazing uh, graphic designer. Yeah. Uh, there's Emma. Emma, she's lovely, and um, uh, also Pam. Pam, oh. uh, she's uh, uh, Pam Tilling. She's also a comedian as well. Mm. She does stand up too. You might know her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and of course Tom who helps Pete do the sound stuff and lovely Kathy, who's also directed my shows in the past, who also oh, is an angel. Um, and they are, they're amazing. And I miss them so much. I can't tell you, I love those guys. They're not, they're not just my, you know, we're, we're, we're teams, but we're good friends as well. We love each other very, very much. And all my lovely, lovely cottages. Miss you, miss you guys. And all the audiences out there that we, we should be seeing right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, big love to all of you all of you i hope you're all safe in lockdown and i can't to see wait to see all of you again soon oh, thank you oh and of course the harlequin who houses our lovely comedy cottage ian sudi um you know all the team the pr guys everyone there thank you so much um for, for housing we can't wait to see you again soon cheers amazing thank you and um, thank you rebecca